Girl Blue from the album Music of My Mind, released on the 3rd of March 1972. On the track, it's just Stevie Wonder, uh, although the track is co-written by Yvonne Wright, who obviously was doing a lot of work around uh, this time with Stevie. Uh, the track is 3 minutes 36, and joining me to talk about today is Eric Nash. Hello, Eric. Hey, how you doing, Darren? Doing really good. So, I find that uh, Girl Blue is a bit of an odd track. Um, I think mostly because it's uh, it's basically about... I mean, it's obviously Stevie singing to his wife, Cyrita, mm. again, um, as he does on many, many songs from this period. Um, and this kind of whole thing of, like, you know, little girl, you're sad, and, you know, him trying to cheer her up. Um, I think it's just a, it's an interesting subject for a song. Like, ha, like ha, this idea that somebody, um, you know, is, is sad and, and Stevie wants them to cheer up, particularly as the verses, are, they feel like they're kind of in a minor key and... Uh, the way that yeah. Stevie sings, he sings he sings the lines going down the scale. So every line is going down, down, down. And then when you get to the chorus, he starts singing up. Um, I mean, it's the most kind of basic thing that a musician can do to kind of make make something seem upbeat is yeah. to have the you know the the kind of melody rising uh, as opposed to a falling melody. Uh, you know, as a kind of contrast. Um, but I still, I don't know. It, it's kind of interesting because it's almost it's just basically Stevie Wonder saying, "You seem sad." Let me make you happy. But, right. Well, <laughs> and, that's the and, whole... and then, and then, as a juxtaposition to what you were just saying with the music and how it's what it's, uh, 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 you know, that's in a minor key and so forth for the for the uh, verses. It's the lyrically, it's the verses that are the more happier ones, the ones that where he is kind of, uh, I think, uh, you know, giving some like good some good praises. Yeah. But then the choruses are all the the one. I mean, this is what it's all about. It's the you know, it's all the about the being sad and blue. Yeah, yeah. So he, I, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, Stevie Wonder, he's a genius, and so he does this effortlessly. But I think for for anyone else, it would be kind of hacky to have, um, you know, kind of a for kind of like a descending melody, but with the 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 message being happy, and then a rising melody, mm-hmm. but with the message being yeah. a little bit more melancholy, <laughs> and kind of contrasting those two things. Um, and also throughout the song, kind of underneath, uh, you know, there's a harmonica, uh, not not a, an unusual thing for a Stevie Wonder um, song. And then later in the song, we get uh, a bit of a harmonica solo towards the end of the song, um, which I think might be the first harmonica solo on this album, um, you know. And I, I don't know, I, I, I really kind of, I don't know, I find it interesting just the way that, that kind of what Stevie is saying, like you say, you know, this... Uh, particularly the kind of like hello morning good good morning to the one i love like and just how it's kind of you know crystal ringlets paint a picture of a gold sunrise above i mean such i mean you know like the one thing i think people maybe um underestimate with stevie wonder is his kind of songwriting ability um and you know the kind of uh, i guess the kind of poetry in some of his lyrics um and i do kind of i think this is like a good example of like you know i mean obviously his voice goes without saying is beautiful um and and so i think that's the thing that kind of blinds people is just his virtuosity on so many instruments and his wonderful voice and then his songwriting always seems to be kind of like the last thing that people kind of really 
pay attention to. Mm. Um, but just like that kind of crystal ringlets paint a picture of gold sunrise above. It's such a like such a, a kind of evocative image. Um, and just this, I don't know, just the idea of, of kind of waking up next to Stevie Wonder and him saying good morning to the one I love. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know about you, but... Um, you know, if we were one of those kind of Sunday supplement magazines where it's like, what's your ideal Sunday? I think waking up next to Stevie Wonder and him turning <laughs> over and saying good morning to the one I love. I'd be like, yeah, I can I could live with that as like a start to the day. Um, but then, like you say, the chorus, it, then it's it's sung upbeat, but the message is, um, you know, a little more kind of melancholy with this, you know, little girl, you're sad, though. Uh, all you have is visible to you within your heart that stays apart that like the sky is blue. Um, I mean, a bit of a simple kind of rhyme scheme there, but still, I like that kind of, you know, the idea that even though you kind of you're outwardly maybe attempting to be happy that you, you know, there's still part of you that is going to be blue. Um, and also like, you know, the, the title of the song Girl Blue again, like it's it kind of gives away what the song is about, um, <laughs> you know, like it's but, but he, you know, he never kind of says that. But also, I mean, this is obviously something that kind of hangs over from when Stevie Wonder was himself, little Stevie Wonder. Um, and something that I think is kind of prevalent a lot in, you know, 70s kind of like um, soul or funk songs is this this always this reference to little girls like there's you know, there's no real women in, in kind of soul songs in the 70s. Everybody's a little girl, um, even though and I, I just kind of love this irony. Cyrita was four years older than Stevie Wonder, so she, she's not a little girl like but I still, you know, it, it, I think poetically it kind of works. Um, but I just I like as well, like, you know, like the sky that is like the sky that is blue, like that, that just the the idea of comparing someone's sadness to something that like generally when people talk about blue skies, that's seen as a positive thing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's it's a nice little kind of poetic turn to kind of compare this sadness to something that most people would see as being a good thing. And and, and you're t- so you're talking about a bit, a bit about the choruses. Yeah. And they're all fairly different lyrically you know there's there's a some i mean yeah each time it starts off a little with little girl but from there on it's it's a pretty besides ending with the word blue then yeah. too <laughs> it's yeah. everything in between is uh pretty pretty different um lyrics for each of the three uh times he goes through the chorus yeah and Actually, I, i'm sorry four times four times yeah and the second chorus is you know it yeah. seems in all my dreams your happiness is due um, but still they last there in your past events that make you blue. So again, like this hinting at something in this person's kind of childhood that, that is kind of stopping mm-hmm. them from kind of being happy, um, you know, which is, a, you know, that's a fairly dark thing. But obviously the way that Stevie sings it, it's so upbeat and happy. <laughs> that it's hard mm-hmm. to kind of it's hard to kind of pick you kind of picture that. Um, but but then when he when he goes through the third time, he's you know, he's saying, you know, be fair, show yourself you care, let others care for you before it's too late because time won't wait till your heart's no longer blue. Uh, so, of course, calling back to the, you know, the first chorus there with the reference to the blue heart. Um, and then, you know, he kind of he, he finishes off by saying that again in the, the final chorus. But he says, be smart, don't break your own heart. There is a love waiting for you. Um, and then obviously, you know, before it's too late, um, which I, I think obviously that's um, Stevie putting himself in the song there, you know, basically saying, look, you know, I, I, I'm the one who can make you happy, um, you know, but yeah. you're going to have to open yourself up. You can't, you know, you can't, you can't kind of just hang think around. Think about all that's good right now. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, and I mean, I, I like relationship and... I like as well how you know in, in the kind of um, verses, you know, he's he's you know he's saying stuff like you know, Grace, you're in the spectrum of your glands, you know, leaves on branches for your pleasure, performing a soothing dance. Again, there's a certain kind of poetry. Uh, I'm going to guess that some of that is Yvonne Wright's uh, influence. Uh, you know, some of the songs that she wrote for other artists kind of had a similar feel. So, so I feel like the verses are kind of more her, and the chorus is more feels like a Stevie Wonder kind of you know, uh, th- you know, two minute Motown pop song. Um, uh-huh. And this, and, and, and do you ha- do you have any like uh, a take on? Because I I sure don't. I I didn't know like really he had any kind of any uh, other co writers uh, for him. But but for an upcoming uh, song that I'll be back back with you um, for. It's it's her again, yeah. Um, so I, I just happen to choose two, a couple out of the four. I think I chose total. I think it's funny because you know, obviously, in his early years, Stevie Wonder was forced to have co-writers. <laughs> like, oh yeah, you know, the right. Mot- the Motown machine made yeah, him. That's the way it worked. Co-write stuff, and you know, a lot of the times he would come with very specific ideas, and then immediately, you know, some writing teams at Motown would kind of change what they were and uh, kind of dilute dilute it down. Obviously, he's got more control. Um, you know, from this album yeah. onwards, you know, he'd started his new contract with Motown, so he had he had full control in his previous album as well. But you know, that was the end of the previous contract. Um, so I, you know, I I think like you can kind of really tell, um, particularly on like Talking Bach Innovisions, like the songs where it's post-divorce Stevie Wonder and it's just him and his raw emotions like on a song. Um, it's very easy to kind of tell that, but when you when when he has co-writers, stuff tends to get a little bit more um, kind of poetic and stuff. Not to say that Stevie didn't do that by himself, mm-hmm. but I think kind of the influence of Yvonne Wright is felt a little bit more in yeah. the, in the verses. Um, you know, particularly with something like "Drops of Rain Will Kiss the Softness of Your Lovely Face," which is again like ev- all all of these are very kind of like evocative images uh, in the verses, whereas in the choruses, it's basically stop being sad <laughs> and, and like the message is a little bit more simple um you know so and that feels more like a you know 23 year old guy with his girlfriend trying to say look stop you don't you know i'm i love you stop being sad you know like that that seems to i mean obviously i'm boiling it down but uh mm-hmm. you know and stevie's pointing it a bit more kind of tactfully but like that seems to be the kind of idea that you know a little girl you're blue you know like let's let's try and i don't know let's do something um, you know, obviously he also has a song that's called "Take a Course in Happiness." So, so it feels like Stevie Wonder is very much about, um, you know, making people happy. Um, you know, and and you know, obviously his performances, you know, were all he was always smiling and very infectious. And so, like that, just seems to be the way Stevie Wonder lived his life. His, you know, I'm talking like he's dead. He's not dead. At time of recording, he's definitely alive. Uh, but the way he's, you know, he's performs and everything, and it comes through a lot on, you know, on his songs. He's always very upbeat and happy, and uh, and so it feels like Stevie Wonder wants other people to kind of feel that happiness. Um, and here it's kind of like he kind of can't get through to whoever this, you know, to the blue girl. He can't get through to her. Um, you know, and the message just isn't kind of getting through. Um, it's worth noting as well, something that um, was picked up in the uh, scathing Rolling Stone review of this album, um, <laughs> which um, uh, the guy who wrote the, the reviews for these first few albums really did not like Stevie Wonder. Um, you know, on on certainly music music of my mind and where I'm coming from, he really was not a fan of Stevie Wonder for some reason. Uh, he kind of turned it around with later albums, but then you know Stevie Wonder was winning Grammys for everything, so you couldn't help but acknowledge his genius. Um, 
And he says here, you know, like, uh, Wonder seems to have come into his own as a songwriter. His lyrics are generally simple, playful, unpretentious. Um, even some of the more self-conscious lines in Girl Blue work nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he acknowledges that the kind of the songwriting in Girl Blue um, is is kind of, um, you know, is, is good. Uh, but at the same time, he, um, he, he doesn't like the uh, the kind of... Uh, the vocal effect that's on this track, right. he's not. Yeah. He's not a fan well, of that. And that's what really just stood out to me when I when I heard this, because because I, I really hadn't. Um, to, to be really honest, uh, you know, I'm I'm sure I'd listened to the whole album at least once before in my uh, in my uh, listening career, <laughs> have heavy since high school essentially. Um, I've been really big into just just uh, trying a lot of different things, but um, but uh, this this one uh, definitely uh, it didn't stick out then, but but it really. Did uh, like I mean caught my ear so badly that oh boy he, that's this is heavy uh, kind of effects laden on his voice especially I mean it's 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 the it's the, the fairly normal for him I think uh, synth, you know heavy use of synthesizers but the other, but then the other thing I love is that uh, you know again for a couple of the other uh, songs uh, or at least at least the next one that is. Um, uh, they both have a really nice uh, uh, live-sounding percussive element, though, to yeah. counterbalance the uh, the more synthesized rest of the uh, instruments. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, you know, we've got the 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 the, the Moog bass or Moog, as some people pronounce it. Uh, we've also got the clavinet on this, and um, you know, the the cre- he's credited as using a talk box, uh, which I think might be what is giving some of the vocal effect on this. Um, you know, and then obviously he's doing his own drums. Um, they're not as kind of uh, in a groove as some of the other stuff on this album, and you know, obviously as they no, will yeah. be. And you know, it's a more kind of simple drum beat, mm-hmm. uh, but it's still you know nice and nicely kind of produced and and kind of unobtrusive. Uh, obviously, this is kind of around the time that he started working with uh, a band that were called I don't know Tonto's Expanding Head or something like that. There was uh, <laughs> Malcolm Cecil and uh, Robert Margolef, I think his name was. Um, they basically kind of um, pioneered this thing called the Tonto synthesizer, which is what Stevie Wonder kind of used on uh, a lot of tracks. And it was kind of one of the synthesizers that was able to kind of do like string effects. And that was something that Stevie Wonder obviously mm-hmm. was kind of very keen on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the interesting thing about this song, because I feel like it is one of the lesser songs on this album, um, you know, for me, I would say probably no higher than a, a four out of five. Uh, you know, mostly for Stevie Wonder from this period, it's a straight five out of five. Uh, but I think, you know, I think the vocal effect kind of dings it a little bit. So I think, you know, probably no more than a four out of five from me. Um, but the interesting thing is uh, there was a group called The Main Ingredient. Uh, they, took, yeah. they took their name from a uh, from a Coke bottle, apparently. <laughs> that was how they came <laughs> up with it. Uh, they did a cover of this song. Um, and I think... So, so sugar, in other words. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I think The Main Ingredient is actually just water. Uh, it water, is yeah. it, it is sugar water, but still the that that's kind of like the main effect. Um, uh, but yeah, so like I, I I think that the the kind of like the um, you know like uh, they they did a cover of this song. It didn't chart highly, um, but you know the, the the main ingredient were a, a kind of a group who. Um, you know, they, um, it, as with kind of like a lot of the, the bands from this era, they were like, you know, three guys who wore identical suits um, and did kind of, you know, very short dance routines while they were, you know, appearing on a soul train. Um, and they they had like a, a couple of hits before this. Um, they had like a hit straight after this, like the, the single they released after this was like a big hit. Um, of note, one of their founding members was Cuba Gooding Sr., 
Um, oh, wow. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, he, he died, like, um, quite early on into the, the founding of the group. Um, and then, you know, the other two kind of main founders of the group were uh, Donald McPherson and uh, Tony Sylvester, uh, both of whom are now dead. But the group is still, as happened, were pretty much like, I mean, they, 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 they weren't actually like a Motown group, but obviously they were kind of modeled on that. Um, and as happens with pretty much all those types of groups, you know, people get replaced and the group just keeps on going forever, um, oh, yeah. you know, always touring. Um, but they're they're like, um, you know, uh, the the album Aphrodisiac, which I got to say is probably one of the greatest titles for an album ever, um, <laughs> you know, particularly for like a 70s kind of like funk, uh, like vocal group. Like Aphrodisiac is just like an amazing, mm-hmm. like such a great title. Uh, and the cover does feature, you know, a woman with an afro looking at like yeah, right. And um, it's, it's spelled with an F. Yeah, not a PH. yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's. I was such a. I mean, you know, when I found out about this group doing research for this song, I was like, that is just a like such a great title for an album. Like, I don't know why everybody doesn't know about that. Um, but that album consisted, you know, of and like Girl Blue was one of the songs they released as a single. But they also did covers of um, you. Where were you when I needed you? Superwoman um you know i am yours uh they also something lovely uh something about love there's a lot of songs that they did with love in the in the title because they did some other covers of some you know uh goodbye my love and various other things like that um but yeah i like they did like basically basically they did an album of 10 tracks and like seven of them were like stevie wonder yeah. covers um that's, that's what I was, at side two the first one is you call me rover but then all four of the other ones have the word love <laughs> love, yeah. lovely. Yeah, <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, but yeah, so and I think their cover of it is actually really good. Like, um, you know, the arrangement of the three voices is kind of interesting. Uh, the production is a little bit more toned down. There's no kind of like, yeah, right. effect on there. Yeah. Like, it's a bit more of a kind of a pure kind of like '70s song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, I like the fact as well that they released it in like '73, so it was like barely six months after this song came out. Which is, uh, you know, if you're gonna do a cover of a song, either wait like. 40 years and completely redo it so nobody realizes it's a cover or do it literally the next day like you gotta you're gonna make a choice when you do a cover um and so i think they they made the right choice to kind of you know instantly cover it but yeah like the cover of the album's great the title aphrodisiac is great like everything about the main ingredient i was like i was on board with um and i really like their version of girl blue as well you know i think actually probably that would be i would say four and a half out of five for me the, the kind of the you know the the main ingredients version of it because it just feels a little smoother um you know but uh, other than the vocal effect you know i think that's the only thing that brings this track down for me yeah i'm, I'm really not uh, not displeased with that you know as i said before it certainly caught my ear but um it's it, you know i you know i after after listening to it for a bit uh in the lead up to to recording this and and then i happened just to uh be listening to a little uh sergeant pepper uh, you know the, the the Beatles themselves, uh, their version, of course, of their own uh, stuff. But uh, you know, and there, there's there there was a track or two there on that album in the middle. I think um, I'm like, you know, they're they're you know they're on their way. They're they're definitely double tracking, if not even more, maybe something John Lennon. I'm I, I'm very aware was was uh, keen on having done for his voice. Yeah. I think it, I but, well uh, but, yeah. but it's, it's the lead up. It's the lead up from then in the uh, in uh, sixty seven, mid mid to late sixties to uh, 
to it being done here. I mean, it's something obviously that Stevie Wonder himself, you know, he's pretty much always his own backing singer. So, <laughs> so on, on these albums, because he's doing everything, yeah, he's, he's ended up doing like the backing vocals. And it's kind of, it's kind of just, you know, him doing the backing vocals and then doing like a harmonica solo and also doing the drums. You know, it's, it's, it's stunning just to think about him doing that once. But the fact that he did it on like six straight albums is kind of amazing. Um, you know, I think in the 80s, he kind of moved back from that, which is probably why those albums aren't very good. Um, you know, huh. if you, you you dilute the stuff, if you if you if it's not pure wonder, then it's you know it's slightly less than that. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so I I, I just I, I think it's like I say, it's kind of one of the more minor songs on this album. But then you know, I think people view this as the start of kind of the classic Stevie Wonder period. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I started an album before because I I think there's a lot of stuff on where I'm coming from, which is also as good as as the stuff that's on music of, music of my mind at least. You know, uh, probably not in the same league as Intervisions and Talking Book and on the rest of it. But you know, uh, I mean, in anyone else's career, they could just record what they you know music of my mind, and that would be a classic album from any other artist. But with Stevie mm-hmm. Wonder, mm-hmm. it's the fifth best album that he put out in the 70s. <laughs> so, um, you know, just goes to show how crazy talented he was. Um, so, well, if there's nothing else to say about this particular track, then let's go to plugs. Is there anything you wish to plug, Eric? Oh, yeah. Um, so similar to this uh, uh, hiatus type uh, podcast that you're doing for us um, in between your, your other stuff, uh, um, I am currently uh, putting out with uh, Zach Fracking-Smith, um, uh, Feels Like Weezer, Going through uh, all of Weezer's all, all of Weezer's catalog from blue to currently black, and uh, all, all the non-colors in between as well. Um, but uh, then, addition in addition, uh, way back we had uh, Watchmen Minute, and and that uh, maybe might be this should be coming back for some episode by episode recaps for the HBO show coming out here soon. Um, and then additionally, uh, the other movies by minutes that currently is coming out definitely is Almost Famous Minute. And really enjoying doing that, uh, covering uh, uh, what I consider a, a classic uh, rock movie. And that does feature a Stevie Wonder song in there as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you mentioned it earlier. Yeah, it's a key, a key probably scene. Not. Probably one of my favorite scenes in that film is. <laughs> yeah, cr- yeah, crazy scene. Yeah, crazy scene. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Crazy scene, but only, only to be outdone quite a few years later by a Silver Linings Playbook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh as far as yeah. that song goes yeah yeah i'm i'm you know i i think the almost famous use of it is slightly more memorable uh yeah and you can follow me on twitter uh for this particular project at stevie Wonder. so thanks for all for me my guest here today thank you so much of this dog